welcome. <laughs> welcome, you are listening to audio from the table. If you'd like to learn more about our community or donate to this ministry, please visit the tabletx.com. Grace and peace. So good to be with you. Brett here. And we are in week two in our Advent at the Table series. So for those unfamiliar with this season in the church calendar, the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus, which means arrival. So Advent is not exactly Christmas. Advent is the waiting, the preparation, the longing for the arrival and presence of God in the world. So the title of my message this week is REPENT! with all caps, an exclamation mark at the end, and just pure internet yelling, So, which I'll explain. Uh, so last week, um, though, we, we reimagined the word saved. Um, this week, it's going to be repent. Um, but before we get to all that, let me um, read our text. So we have a few different um, lectionary readings this week. The first is from the book of Isaiah, um, chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, um, and it goes through part of verse 2, and then 3 through um, 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So who is this this voice calling in the wilderness? Well, as we come to the New Testament, we find the answer, and this is the second lectionary reading for today. It's um, Mark 1, 1 through 5. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John the Baptist is is really the perfect Advent figure because, as I mentioned earlier, Advent is, is not the celebration of Christ's arrival in the world, per se. Um, obviously, that's Christmas. It's rather the season just before that, the season of waiting, the season of preparation, and the season, as John's baptism alludes to, of repentance. Now, that's not a word we use much today. Probably the only place it's really heard anymore is in the church. And let's be honest, it doesn't have positive connotations. Uh, what repentance has, I think, come to mean in most people's minds is something like feeling very, very sorry for your sins. Uh, you could ask someone, do you feel bad for your sins? They're like, I feel pretty bad. And I would say, well, you don't feel bad enough. You know, you must repent, aka ramp up those guilty feelings so that you feel extra sorry. Uh, maybe a word that would capture repentance in most people's minds is the word regret. Like, yeah, I really, re- I really regret doing that. I feel so sorry and guilty and bad. Um, now, I, I got to say, though, it is true 
that regret and guilt are often cars on the train called repentance, but they're not the engine of the train. And it's really the engine of repentance that I want to talk about in this this sermon. So, okay, so what is the engine? Well, the Greek word translated as repentance in most English Bibles is uh, metanoia, which can mean change of mind, or sometimes it's translated as change of heart. Um, heart's probably the best translation, but it's the reason it's not always used is because heart has um, come to kind of mean in, in modern English, like my feelings, you know, my, I have a broken heart, you know, aka my feelings are so hurting, you know. Um, but but th- the thing is, in the Bible, heart is really like the deepest depths of the human being, of the soul, or what we named a few weeks ago as the deep mind, like the deepest place from which we think and live. So what repentance is really about is a shift there, in the heart, in deep mind. So you might say that repentance is an aha moment where suddenly we see those aspects of ourselves that we unconsciously are running from. It's the awareness that sees, that beholds, that looks unblinkingly at my own. And here you, you have to fill in the blank, right? It's different for all of us. For some, it's an aha moment about the envy that just runs your life. For others, it's a, a kind of imagined scarcity, a you got to fight hard in this world to get ahead mentality that then leads to competitiveness and this like lack of healthy relating. For others, it's that rage that's been with you as long as you can remember. For another, it's a desire for just oblivion. I just want to get away from these painful feelings that has us checking out of life. So repentance is the moment when we see it like we really see it. And we know in that moment, in our heart of hearts, oh, I, I cannot continue like this. Quick uh, footnote, tears are often a sign that God is meeting us in this way. In the world of um, 12-step programs, they would probably call this hitting rock bottom because the key is it's the moment when you know not the moment your grandma knows <laughs> and she's like, hey, you need to change your life. You know, It's not the moment your parents know or your friends know or your partner. Or you know, Like if you've ever been an addict or been close to someone um, who's an addict, you'll know like you cannot force someone to a place of metanoia, of repentance. It's just not about constructing the perfect argument, you know, forcing the truth upon them. Like not even fear really works. I mean, at least not for long. No, the, it's, it's not the moment your friends know, it's, it's when you know. That's the metanoia repentance moment. And each of us must face it ourselves. You might even say each of us must um, see, not just it, um, as though it's something outside of us, but we have to kind of see how that brokenness has caused us to utterly leave us behind, so to speak. Um, like it's, it's a, it's a scene of myself, a returning to myself. Um, you, you might say that, that metanoia or repentance is the decision to come home to myself, to face again, what is within. 
There's a very famous story that Jesus tells, probably his most moving and well-known story from Luke 15. Uh, and the story goes like this. There was a, a father with two sons, an older um, and uh, a younger. Well, I guess that had to be that way, right? Unless they're twins. So yes, an older and a younger. <laughs> and the older son, you know, he had his own issues. Uh, hyper-responsible, never a day off, desperate for his father's approval, <laughs> slightly embittered. <laughs> um, but the younger son had his own issues, his own inner demons. So one day the younger son looks at the father and says like, hey, I, I want my inheritance now. And without so much as a protest, the father uh, just gives it to him. And the Bible says not many days later, the younger son took all that he now owned and he journeyed into the far country. And there he squandered everything he had in reckless living. You ever been there in the far country? We all have in our own ways. Well, as luck would have it, when it rains, it pours, right? A severe famine strikes the land. And this young man goes from being the richest guy in town to the absolute poorest. It, it got so bad that he hired himself out to a local farmer. And his job there was to feed the pigs. Now, keep in mind, Jesus was Jewish, of course. So his audience is primarily Jewish. Pigs are unclean, taboo. What is this a picture of? It's the lowest of the low. In fact, the story goes on to say that his pay was so poor that he began to long to eat the pig food. And then we come to verse 17. The more literal versions put it perfectly. Here's the English standard version. It says, but when he came to himself, or the Dewey Rames Bible, and returning to himself, or the literal standard version, and having come to himself. That's the metanoia moment. That's the repentance moment. All the props are stripped away. It's a startling awareness. The fruit of coming back to ourselves. And unsurprisingly, it's in that moment that he decides to return home. To return to his father like, can you see in the story that repentance is so much more than, I hope you feel real sorry, I hope you feel real bad, real guilty. Like, sure, feelings are often a part of it, but the heart of it is the aha scene moment. One of the great performance artists of our time is Marina Abramovich. So as a performance artist, she doesn't paint, uh, she doesn't sculpt, instead... She is the art. Her, her body is the art and what she does with it. Um, for decades, she was, you know, pretty obscure, main, or mainly known just in the avant-garde uh, avant art world. But in um, 2010, she, like, blew up, went mainstream with her performance at the Modern Museum of Art in New York City. The piece was titled, The Artist is Present. So Abramovich simply sat at a table for seven and a half hours every day for three months in the uh, New York City um, or the Modern Museum of Art in New York City, just like sat there. And anyone who wanted could come and sit across the table from her for 
as long as they desired. Now, when she first began to plan this piece, the people around her were kind of trying to set her expectations and told her like, hey, this is, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of time spent sitting across from no one. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is really going to engage people. But honestly, they could not have been more wrong. It was a sensation. People not only lined up, they camped out, waiting for their chance to sit across the chair from her. And of course, you know, everyone had their reasons. I'm sure some of them maybe just wanted to say, like, I was there, you know. But of the 1,500 people or so who sat across from her in those three months, I'm most intrigued by those who, during the encounter, became emotional. Um, you can go look th these images up if you'd like. Um, just search the artist is present, you know, photos, and you'll see these, these faces. People, I mean, they just have tears streaming down their face. Reflecting on her encounters um, with these folks, Abramovich interpreted it this way. She said, what is happening there? I am looking at you, and you are photographed, and you are filmed, you are observed by everyone else in this room, so there's nowhere to go but into yourself. And at the moment when you really get into yourself, that moment you burst with emotions, with so many feelings. This is why so many people start crying, and it becomes such an important experience in their life. So you can hear there, Abramovich is emphasizing that for many people, to be gazed at quietly forces them into themselves. But, but my question is, like, why the tears? I mean, certainly for some, it was the beauty of being seen. However, I suspect that for many, it was actually a metanoia moment. As they returned to themselves, just like the prodigal son, they began to have aha moments. They began to have, oh my God, I cannot continue the way I have been living moments. Which is why I detect both grief and relief in their faces, both sadness and a certain joy. See, one way to think of repentance is, is that it is a moment of practicing the artist is present with God, where God gently allows us to see clearly. As Father Richard Rohr puts it, the real meaning of repentance is seeing what you've chosen not to see. So let me try to kind of sum all of this up. Reflecting on these tears, these tears of the people in the artist is present, the tears of the prodigal son, the tears of those who came to John to be baptized. We might say that repentance is both pain and joy. It is painful to experience what is false being torn away, to see in myself what I would rather avoid, and in this way to come back to myself. However, in the metanoia moment, I am also planting the seeds of future joy. In other words, it's difficult, but it is oh so very good. As we close, I have two more quick thoughts. Number one, can you see that repentance is not a one-time thing? 
I mean, if you're kind of thinking to yourself, ooh, okay, I just need one very big repentance moment. You know, I'm going to get saved and that'll be it. Uh, you're, you're not quite getting it. Like, of course, there are likely to be significant repentance moments um, in our journey that kind of stick in our memory forever. But, but in the long term, the idea is actually that we live every moment wide-eyed and awake, so to speak, that we're constantly returning to the heart, returning to the presence of the Lord. Second insight, can you see that Advent is a refining fire? It's not just, oh, look at sweet little Jesus, the baby in the manger, like uh, Ricky Bobby, you know, Talladega Nights. Like, no, no, Woo! it is a purifying fire. It is the flame of love and it is good. And it is planting the seeds of future joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.